Hi, and thank you for joining me on Discovering Your Divine Design. I am Roberta Quimson, and we are going to take a journey into learning all about who God made you to be. Hi, and welcome to the Divine Design Podcast. This is episode number five, and it is called Persistent Prayers in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be learning today a lot about the role of the Holy Spirit and praying. I want to start by asking you to either go back and remember if you did this or if you had a child in your life or if you know of children or have ever experienced the what I like to call the persistent uh, asking of questions. The if you've ever seen there's a uh, a meme out there or some little cartoon video a friend of mine used to have and it's from a TV show of which I cannot remember at the moment but I want to say that the cartoon character's name is Stanley and he starts going and she would use this as her ringtone and he starts going mom 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 mommy 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 mother 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 and she, you know the mom in the cartoon she finally turns and she goes what and, and that's what I want you to envision. I want you to envision the persistence of prayer, the persistence of faith like a child, being like a child with the constant nagging at the knee, pulling of the little shirt. Um, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? I want that. Why? Why? When? Why? No. Why? Just the consistent, consistent, constant, constant. Now, with that framework in mind, we are going to look at the story of the persistent widow, which comes from Luke 18, 1 through 7. And it goes like this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. So we are learning here that this is an unrighteous man. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen one who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? The parable is basically showing that even one who was unjust and did not fear God finally answered the request of the widow. The scripture is saying, well then, well then how much more would your heavenly father who does love you and whom you love answer your requests? We see another parable in Luke 11, 5 through 8, and it goes like this. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, 
Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, just a little bit of background on this scripture for some research that I did. That during this time, everybody slept upstairs together, if you're familiar with the housing at that time. And so it was kind of like a one bedroom or you would go up the stairs to like a little loft area and everybody was in the one room sleeping and sharing together. And then the bread, of course, would have been downstairs in what their common eating area would have kind of been. So part of looking at this contextually at the time that Jesus said it, part of the reason he would say my door is locked and my children and I are in bed is because he knows the resident of this home in this parable knows that if I get up to go downstairs to open the whatever they stored their bread in, I guess the jars to get the bread and it will all make so much noise. I am going to wake up my children and even then they knew don't wake up sleeping dogs or sleeping children. So that's why the scripture even says the door's locked and my children and I are in bed. It's kind of his way of saying I'm not moving because this will be such an inconvenience for me to have to get up because it will wake up my whole household. I can't get up and give you anything, he says, and, and this is why. But also in this time, having a friend come to the home and you having no bread or oil or anything to offer them was seen as extremely, extremely rude, which is why this parable is so timely when Jesus is sharing it because the people of that culture would know these two things. <gasps> somebody showed up at your house and you don't have any bread that is unheard of that is bad 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 and then secondly but why are you asking you know that the guy's already in bed with his kids and you know the amount of noise it's going to make and wake up the whole family and then that is just going to be a whole other nightmare so the people listening to this parable fully grasp the context of what this story is trying to tell and here is what the Lord says in the parable. He finishes the parable and then he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That is verse 9. In the ancient Greek, in the scripture with the parable when he says um, I tell you even though he will not get up and give you because of friendship but because of your shameless audacity he will get up and give you as much as you need the Greek word there is anaidea and we don't see it a lot but it is translated as like shameless audacious and if any of you know Yiddish there's a word we use and it's called chutzpah and the chutzpah is uh, in the nicest way the Italian version is cojones are you following me somebody who's really 
you know, the guy laying in bed with his kids would be like, I cannot believe you are knocking on my door. You're going to wake up my whole family. You, you, and you and you continue knocking. Oh, you've got a lot of chutzpah. It, it's like a shameless rudeness, audacity. You just this persistence to just keep going. Okay. That's the word that they, that was used there. The Greek word, anadeia. And we see it with the widow who went back to the king. And when he says, let me scroll back a second, when he says, oh, but because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So in two different parables, we hear Jesus explaining about this. The word I'm thinking is tenacious, this tenacity to just not stop. Now, verse 11 in Luke, Luke 11, verse 11 says, Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, just like in the parable with the king when he says even the king who is unjust and does not fear god how much more than your heavenly father who does love you but what i want to focus through this whole thing okay this overarching theme is that god does hear our prayers and god wants to answer our prayers but i want you to see how he wants to answer our prayers and this is where the holy spirit comes in Verse 13 says, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Okay? It doesn't say he will give you things. What is it you receive when you ask or you knock or you seek? The Holy Spirit. This is not a parable and a lesson that you will be given the things you ask for or that your prayers will always be answered with a yes. The parables show us to be tenacious and persevere and continue and have chutzpah and keep praying and praying. But why? Because what we will be given is the power of the Holy Spirit and all that comes with, with that. When you ask when you knock, when you seek, according to verse 13, you will be given the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I will take the power of the Holy Spirit and all that entails over a specific item any day. Because what does having the power of the Holy Spirit mean? What does it mean when God grants us the Holy Spirit alive and in us, able to tap into that power? Here are just some of the things, and this is just a very short list. But there are the gifts of the Spirit, which is your divine design to step into your calling. These are what are called your spiritual gifts, whether it be leading, teaching, administration, whether you have the gifts of help, whether you have the gifts of prophecy. Okay, You will receive the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. All throughout scripture, we see different times where it is used and the Spirit of the Lord provided wisdom and the Spirit of the Lord provided strength and the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit of the Lord provided. The Holy Spirit is the catalyst of allowing us to live in our divine design, really utilizing all the gifts and callings and power of God through us. In Isaiah 11, 1 through 3, it says, and this is Isaiah prophesying about Christ. This is an Old Testament prophet who is talking about the Redeemer who will come out of the line of David. And he says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now let's break these down for a minute. A spirit of wisdom kind of self-explanatory it is wisdom being wise it is having an advanced knowledge and understanding of prudence of things that we should and should not do and which would be the best course of action at this moment that is wisdom a spirit understanding this means the ability to see clearly and understand things you might not have before. Here's a really great example. Have you ever been doing your quiet time or reading some scriptures and you read through it and as you continue and you pray and you ask the Lord to reveal some things to you and then maybe you go back a month or a year later. I, I've you know, been going through my same Bible for so many years and I try and use different pens so that because I write in my Bible, I know some of you may be shocked right now because you would never think of writing in a book, but I, I write all over my Bible. And so, for example, one of my years was red. Everything I did was in red. And then I'm coming back and I'm reading something and there's a note. Let's say it was next to you know Luke chapter three and I wrote a note of how God spoke to me through that. But now I'm reading it and I'm seeing something totally different. And part of it's because I'm in a different season. Part of it is because I'm I'm deeper in my walk. I'm asking the Holy Spirit and really utilizing that power more for revelation. And I'm reading that same Luke 3 and I read what I wrote in the red ink from a couple years back and I think to myself, oh wow, I see so much more now, right? You go back and you see a scripture and you think, oh, I only scratched the surface on that and now I'm going deeper and deeper. That is a spirit of understanding. There's also a spirit of counsel. This means the ability to understand God, God's will and callings and counsel others or guide others in that way. A spirit of counsel is when you are shepherding, when you are a mentor, when you have someone who is not as mature in the faith coming to you for something or looking for guidance. And counsel kind of goes hand in hand with wisdom a little bit where you're able to say, well, let's look at what scripture says about it. How are you feeling about it? You, you know, ultimately, this is the advice I'm offering. This is what I 
think would really be the best in this scenario, which honors God because we always want to honor him first. That is spirit of counsel. That is being able to impart wisdom and um, advice to another. It also says in that scripture of Isaiah 11, spirit of might. This is strength, endurance. This is the power that is needed when we are in trials and hardships, when we pray for strength. I think all of us through these last few years have been praying for the spirit of might. Um, things were up and down. They're open. They're not open. There's a mask. There's no mask. You're going to school. No, you're not going to school. It was so topsy-turvy. For me, at least personally, I know that sometimes my prayers would be like, Lord, I need you to either give me peace about this so that I really just don't care or give me endurance and a spirit of might because this is getting very, very straining. That's, that's the spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge, which the Hebrew word that is used here is da'at, D-A-A-T, da'at. It means understanding and truth. Having a spirit of knowledge is understanding truth and being able to identify truth from lies on both a spiritual sense and just in a worldly sense. For example, when you see a commercial or a magazine article or a TikTok or an Instagram or whatever it may be that you see that immediately makes you think to yourself, oh, I wish I had that house or I wish I had that figure or hmm. I wish I could cook like that. You know, would that, would that. Whenever we get that, you know, that, uh, that's the sigh of like disappointment. The spirit of knowledge helps us go, yeah, I wait. No, wait a minute. That's just, okay. That's just a lie. I know who I am in Christ. I don't need to look like that, act like that. I don't need to have that car. I don't need to cook like that. My kids don't have to be perfect like that. My marriage doesn't have to be perfect. I'm okay being single. I love my job. All those different things that we can correct in our brain because we realize we're falling into the lie of materialism and worldly views. That is a spirit of knowledge, being able to recognize what are the lies and what is the truth. And finally listed in that list, it's called a spirit of reverence, which is fear of the Lord. A spirit of reverence or a spirit of, of fear is to look upon our creator and all that he created with awe, whether it be nature, humanity, emotions, anything and everything that pertains to his creation and having a respect and love and honor for all of it. Everything created by God. Even though it is for us, it is ultimately for him and we are to treat it with respect. That is a spirit of reverence because everything has God's fingerprints all on it that has been made by God. And having reverence or fear of the Lord um, is, is having that awe, that majesty, the understanding, the holiness of um, what that is. And I apologize if you just heard that little beep. That is my phone sending me a notification because I forgot to turn it off. I am human. So what does all of this look like about being persistent in our prayers, receiving the Holy Spirit as a gift? How does this apply to you today? Well, there's a few things we can learn from this. First, keep praying. First, 
Thessalonians 5, 16 and 19 says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. So number one, keep praying. Scripture is so clear. Pray. Prayer is talking to God. He loves when we pray. He loves when we have conversations with him. Now, it's funny because in 1 Thessalonians that I just read, 5, verse 19 says, and do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Isn't that weird? He just put that right in there. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So there's a, there's a continuum there. Never stop praying and be thankful. But the Apostle Paul knows because when we do get our answers to our prayers, what is that answer going to be? It's going to be the Holy Spirit alive in us to be able to do or achieve what it is we prayed for. Okay, I want I want you to really understand that it was a it was a huge light bulb for me. But for example, praying that uh, let me think for a second, praying that there may be financial gains. Okay, things are really tight financially. You have more month than you have money. And the prayer is, I don't know how I'm going to meet my needs, Lord. Um, just help, please. And many times those prayers are answered practically. And we hear about those stories that the next day there's a gift card in the mail or the next day a neighbor says, I don't know why, but I felt like I needed to bring you groceries. And those are definitely answers to prayers. But sometimes maybe you don't see the answer to the prayer because it's not something tangible in front of you. There's not a check in the mail or a neighbor with groceries. But maybe that answer to the prayer is a powerful, alive Holy Spirit working in you to create the way for there to either be more income or to stretch that money to last the month or to get creative so that a meal you thought was a one dinner meal turns actually into some leftovers and has become a two dinner meal. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit, it says in this scripture in Thessalonians from the Apostle Paul. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look back at what we learned. Always be joyful. Well, what was the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. Oh, joy. Peace, patience. Never stop praying. Okay. We learned in a scripture where it says, continue to pray and God will grant you the Holy Spirit. Be thankful in all circumstances. That's one of the fruits. Uh, Kindness, goodness, gentleness, being thankful. So he puts this all together because it's the Holy Spirit that allows you to be joyful. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you the gift to be able to pray. It's the Holy Spirit that allows you to be thankful in all circumstances because you have the spirit of wisdom or the spirit of understanding. Allowing the Holy Spirit to flourish and grow and live in you and through you is the key to a successful prayer life. There is a power that comes with allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. But let's return to what we had spoken of in the beginning, and that is where I said, how can this apply to you today and what do we take away? So first, keep praying. 
do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Second, pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you and all that comes with it, the gifts, the fruit, and the power. By not stifling, you are asking him to be alive and work through you. And then finally, three, yes, pray for the ability to know when you are being led by the Spirit or led by your flesh. Test your thoughts and prayers and actions that you partake in. See where they fall in the scope of all that the Holy Spirit does. Okay, God, and I say this many, many times when I'm working with new believers who sometimes get very frustrated and say, I just don't understand. I accepted Christ. I was baptized. I've been in Bible studies. I've been trying to really live my life as a good Christian. And my car breaks down and I didn't get that job. And I loved, I mean, I don't say it giggling, giggling, but I do say, well, let me clear up one of the lies you may believe in. And that is twofold. One, God and Jesus are not a genie. We didn't pull anything out of a magic lamp and they don't have a magic wand and they're not just going to make all your problems disappear. And two, following Christ does not automatically mean that life becomes a bed of roses. Scripture does not say that at all. It even talks about when you have hardships and when life gets busy and when, you know, there are struggles. It doesn't say if, it says when, okay? So the ability to know when you're being led by the Spirit or led by your flesh is being able to live your life and look at your actions and your words and your deeds and your thoughts and your time and your money and run it through the sieve of the Holy Spirit. And whatever's not going to pass through the little holes of the sieve is the gook that probably shouldn't be there anyway. Okay. I love to think of it like that. Like when you are, you know, when you, we drink tea in this house and we use um, leaves and sometimes the tea ball is either in the dishwasher or I can't find it. And I think, oh, I'm just going to let everything seep. I'm going to just get really hot water and just pour it in the cup just with the loose leaves. And then what I'll do is I'll put, when I'm done, I will pour over a little sieve so I can just have the clear tea because anything that doesn't, the leaves or the rinds or the fruits or whatever it is, the flowers that I'm not going to eat, that don't belong in there, will but get caught up in the sieve. That it's, I want you to think of your life as that sieve and you're clearing everything through that sieve or the Holy Spirit is the sieve, I should say, and your life is everything you're putting through it. And the Holy Spirit will separate for you and let you know this is what can go ahead and go through. This is of me. This is of God. This is okay. And this is the garbage that doesn't need to. There's such a freedom that comes with that when you know that God is with you and for you and that the Holy Spirit is being that sieve for you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. What was those fruit? Love, joy, peace. Oh, peace comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say present your requests and God will answer them. It says present your requests and you will have peace, a fruit of the Spirit. Again, presenting it through prayer and God will give you peace, which is a fruit of a spirit, which means prayer results in the Holy Spirit doing something. Friends, prayer is a practice we should be doing every day. 
Now, next week's episode, I will be speaking specifically to how and what to pray and how to pray. But today I want you to know this. You are made and loved by God. You are the absolute apple of his eye. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. And because of that love for you, he wants you to have a relationship with him where he gives you the Holy Spirit to comfort and guide you, as well as having the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit and the power. God asks us to pray for him for those things. He asks us to pray persistently and continuously. He loves when we pray. He loves when we continually pull at him and talk and ask like persistent children. So I challenge you to have that prayer conversation with God. Ask him to reveal the Holy Spirit to you this week. Look for the ways in which the Spirit is alive in you and moving and guiding and revealing things like wisdom and different choices or decisions that you've realized you are making because you've been led by the Spirit rather than the flesh. I want to thank you so much for listening and spending your time with me. I am praying for you. And I do want to share that if you would like to chat about today's podcast or any of the podcasts, what you liked or any questions, feel free to post comments in the Facebook group, which is called Your Divine Design. If you're not part of that yet, go ahead and look for it. And I am praying that you have a wonderful day. Friends, thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to like and subscribe. And if you were blessed by today's podcast, feel free to share it with those you know.